Hello, good morning, and welcome to another episode of NFL Only Better. I'm Beth Ferris, Kieran O'Connor, joined as always by Mike Carlson and John Bath. And gentlemen, Thanksgiving is over the real sort of uh, full gear, Mike. Fifth or sixth gear, depending on what car you have, is now being uh, entered. Well, which of Mike's cars, you know, parked <laughs> yeah, in the stadium Which, which, which in the manner he takes. Yeah. Yeah. Chauncey, which car are we using today? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I didn't even have turkey for Thanksgiving, so I'm not even doing my usual trip to fan withdrawal um, sim- symptoms. Uh, I had plenty of turkey, don't worry. Th- this week. So, uh, yeah, but it was a good... It was a good um, Good day out, uh, good night out on Thanksgiving, and um, and it was a nice weekend. And and this weekend's games were were interesting and sometimes surprising. So you know it makes yes, this yeah, let's surprise. and also disappointing uh, in some aspects. Let's, let's well, yeah, John, we... you you ruined me. You ruined me because I I went as people know I, I tend to back in the late games all of them to go over just to enjoy red zone. But in my mind, I was thinking, now John tells me that these Broncos are and the Bears are on the sorry, and the Browns. Oh, that'll go under. So I picked an under, and they all went over. So thanks, yeah. John. It was a very yeah, weird. Guess... It was on, a sorry. very weird breakdown. The Thursday Friday games all went over, all four of them. Then the Sunday early games, four went under, and only one went over. And then the late games, four went over, and only one went under. And then both of the Sunday Monday night games went under. So it was almost like. It was almost like someone said, "Okay, turn the offense off now." Yeah, there was a theme going on, or something. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, John, did you enjoy the games on Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's always always a bit of fun. I enjoyed the Thanksgiving games as well. That was a uh, you know, and as well, it was a bit bizarre. How did you did you guys watch the game on Friday or the uh, the? It was it was a strange experience. Yeah, I, wa- I watched Friday, it. I, I watched it till it became obvious it was going to be a Miami win, which was about a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was obviously a Miami win when he looked at the schedule. <laughs> That's what I knew was going to be Miami win even before before the game started. But yeah, we were we were treated to a lot of uh, a lot of NFL in the last few days. It was quite nice. Yeah, actually good. the big the big story of the week came out of that game, which was Tyreek Hill's new newly minted wife um jumping up you know, oh, like that with her hands up to um celebrate Hill's touchdown and, and knocking over the the nachos that the guy standing behind Was that her. in that actual game i guess so i saw i saw um, the, that the recording she's definitely at fault there like I it, mean, could, it might not be because who pays attention to this stuff but it, it apparently you know she was all upset and she said you know this guy had spilled the nachos all over her and you know and uh then tyree Hill <laughs> saw the film and told all the reporters it was her fault it was her fault. <laughs> um did we see did we see uh, even in defeat maybe some um springs of hope for the Bills in terms of they they kind of looked more like the Bills we expected or is it just one and done kind of thing Mike it was just nothing yeah, it, really it, it's weird because I I thought that you know what turned out to be it would have been a key play in the game or the key play in the game actually um AJ Brown when he when he fumbled that catch in the overtime and it was ruled an incompletion. I was just aghast because to me it was a very clear cut fumble and, and the the kind of logical logical contortions that Gene Steratore had to go through to explain why it was an incomplete password. But then it got me thinking, and because people were complaining about it, obviously, the, and Philadelphia had four penalties for thirty yards in that game, and Buffalo had eleven for eighty. Now Buffalo was playing kind of weirdly, but when you think about Philadelphia and the fact that their right tackle, whether it's Johnson or Driscoll, goes offside, false starts at least three times a game. And when they went 
silent count. Driscoll was false starting like crazy. He was going, he was starting early. I went back and looked in the last seven games, Miami's had 32 penalties and their opponent, uh, sorry, Philadelphia's had 32 penalties and their opponents have had 59. So it's basically a steady, a steady thing. And including um, the Miami game where, where Miami had 10 and, and Philadelphia had none. Um, so, you know, it, it just made me think, but I thought, yes, the, to answer your question, yes, I thought the Bills did a lot of things right. And I thought too, that the analysis on TV was really good because they, um, was it Collinsworth doing it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Collinsworth pointed out that Phila what Philadelphia did was to start running to the edges and Buffalo was kind of forced to drop, to bring up a safety and get out of the two deep zone. When they got out of the two deep zone, all of a sudden Jalen Hurts started throwing touchdown passes. Um, and I thought that was a really good analysis and, and a really good show of, of what had happened. But the problem for the Bills now is they've got a bye week at six and six, and then they've got a really tough schedule going in. And Miami have, have a pretty favorable schedule going in. So Miami's definitely going to win the, the the division. And that puts the Bills in the in the wild, the wild, wild card. card weekend, probably. Yeah. yeah. And one of those penalties we should mention as well, it was very intentional grounding when a clear horse collar tackle by a referee who was about a foot away. And this is not pocket talk. I was not involved in any yeah. of the spreads of that game. But I think when Josh Allen gets up and points at his uniform, uh, you're kind of like, how have you missed that? And then Gene, of course, said it's not reviewable, even though they were watching it. Yeah. It was being reviewed, but that part is reviewable. <laughs> yeah, ex exa exactly. <laughs> the and, clear and thing in front of you. Is yeah, not the argument. The argument was that you know he hadn't he hadn't horse collared. Um, he pulled him down by the front of his jersey, and his hand was just there, um, which which the film obviously refutes. And and they were saying you know your horse collar you have to be around the neck, and and no you don't. It, the the rule says it's it's at the name the name plate or above, and and the guy's hand was was just at the name was at the name plate going up there was also a crazy um clothesline in the patriots game where the punt returner pop douglas got clotheslined like it was that. 1958 um and the, the guy the guy came flying in with, with his arm straight across and got him right at the chin so he got both helmet head and neck was all included it was like a three for one and again the official was right there and didn't call the thing and and um there is no penalty for for um, clothesline. For a clothesline, that's interesting. No. Well, it just depends where you hit. The penalty would be illegal contact with the he with the hell ahead, um, and or you could call unnecessary roughness because it was incredibly brutal. Um, but yeah, it, it it drives you crazy, kind of what they call and what they don't call. Yeah, it can do. John, Super Bowl winner, four to one. Chiefs, four to one. Eagles, 49ers, four to one. So three fives now. Yeah. Co-fabs, although people say you can't be co-fabs, and people say you can't be joint bottom of the table and joint. You know what I'm saying? Baltimore Ravens <laughs> seven to one, Miami Dolphins nine to one, Dallas Cowboys tens. It's sixteens bar. Um, AFC winner Kansas seven to four, Baltimore three to one, Dolphins four to one, Jags seven to one, Jags NFC seven Conference Forty ers and Eagles both seven to four, Dallas Cowboys five to one, Lions fifteen to two. You know who you won't see in any of those lists, gentlemen, is of course Atlanta. Le Le Panthers, wow, <laughs> who uh, have now sacked uh, their their head coach. Um, for those that keep score, by the way, the owner of the um, Carolina Panthers, um, Mr. Tepper, 
He has now owned the Panthers in Charlotte FC for a combined seven seasons. And in that time, he's had five full-time coaches and now three interns. And by the time he fills the two vacancies at both clubs, which will be in the coming months, he would assume, that number will climb to 10 in just eight seasons. So he, uh, Mike, I'll come to you for this. He is pretty much just as fault, in my opinion, for what appears to be a club and a team and a franchise that is just dysfunctional right now. I'd agree completely. Um, and if you heard his press conferences or interviews afterwards, he was kind of doing the thing of "I'm the man responsible." <laughs> yes, you are. And then, of course, he, <laughs> and, and then, and then, of course, he was saying, you know, it was group decisions, and you know, I'm I could veto, but you know, I don't have enough. And and that just to me was complete complete crap. He's he's got to take responsibility for what what his front office has done and, and for the hires he's made. I don't know if Reich was the wrong hire, but I know that they the way they built the staff and, and team around him wasn't great. Uh, the first thing I said in the draft was, you know, Bryce Young is is great. They paid, a, or in college, they paid a high price for him, but he's not the kind of quarterback Frank Reich has always worked with. Not He's never worked with a small elusive kind of quarterback he's always had big pocket passers and had a lot of success with with them you know Carson Wentz in Philadelphia Nick Foles in Philadelphia so I I thought that 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 was crazy and when you look at kind of um what he did last year when he he hired Matt Rule Matt Rule was a failure and you know and you had to recognize that and I don't think they looked at the reasons why Matt Rule was a failure and then Steve Wilkes went six and six. That's the best record any coaches had under yeah. under his regime. And they didn't they 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 perfunctorily looked at Steve Wilkes as, as being a, the head coach. And they went out and hired Reich. And now you know he's got Jim Caldwell on the staff, the old Colts head coach. He was he's like the senior offensive. They got Dom Capers, who's like a senior assistant, very senior assistant. Um, yeah, and and the interim coach is Chris Tabor, who's the special teams coach, which I assume is so that they won't have any kind of interim problem when it comes to choosing the next guy up. But the next guy up's got a hard hard task ahead of him to kind of build build something there. Yeah, I, they I, have I, been unlucky in, in in a way because uh, if you remember, they were actually in pole position for the first overall pick in the draft, and they kind of threw that away last season. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, and they paid. I mean, you know, rebuilding is going to be difficult because they 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 paid a king's ransom for it. You know, and and who's mm-hmm. Chicago's best player right now is DJ Moore. Yeah, and, and yeah. remember that they fired Matt Rule in the third year of a fully guaranteed seven-year contract of sixty-two million dollars. <laughs> I didn't know that was seven years. Like dude. that is just John. Um, you know what? Um, I was reading about this during the week, and a piece sprung to mind. I came, came from the Guardian, who were writing about this. He said that Alex Ferguson supposedly used to tell up-and-coming managers who um, had what's your piece of advice. He said, "Pick the owner, not the club." Yeah. So people. But- Staying away from the Panthers, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, that's yeah. That would be good advice, really. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, what, what every I think what every NFL team and every every NFL fan, everybody who watches the sport with interest would want is just a, at least a baseline of some sort of stability. Um, I mean, admittedly, when things kind of go hell for leather, it can be quite exciting and quite fun to watch. But if you actually have any, you know, vested interest in these teams and how the sport works, yeah, stability is the main thing. And there's 
You know, you can point to a bunch of franchises in this league. Mike Cleveland Browns would be one of them, and traditionally been one of them for, for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, honestly, maybe less so in the last year or two. But still, yeah, it's it doesn't. It, if you just look at the way Carolina are running at the moment, it just doesn't look like a team that is going to be good even next year or the year after. They're positioned for some high draft, like they'll maybe get the first or second or third pick in the draft coming up next year. You'd imagine, but at the same time, like Mike said, they lost DJ. They gave DJ Moore away. At, you know, not a great price. They gave away Christian McCaffrey, gave away Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so it's uh yeah, there's uh there's there's it's I think it's gonna get worse before it gets a little bit better in Carolina. But yeah, they're they're standing at a crossroads now and it is very, very important who they put to the and they're one and ten. Down. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it gets worse. See, the see, the see it's good over. for the good for the Bears. <laughs> it is good yeah. for the Bears. Yeah. McCaffrey McCaffrey was not a bad trade. Um because he was, they got, he wasn't they weren't be using it well exactly right. exactly but at the same time it's still you just see how what he's doing in San Francisco and if you're a Carolina Panthers fan you're like well that guy was playing for us last year yeah and well you know? and, yeah. Chuba, and and to be fair Chuba Hubbard is actually playing pretty well mm-hmm. you know given that their line given that their line is is uh, like crap you like know who the head coach could be their quarterback coach in his first year as a coach is Josh McCown who last year, remember, was going to be the coach in Houston. They really they wanted to hire Josh McCown as the head coach with, with no coaching experience, you know, kind of like less than Jeff Saturday. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I, want, Saturday. Saturday. I want to point out, too, yeah, I want to point out too that Frank Reich's next job will be the third right. Oh, yes, dear. yes, <laughs> that is true. Moving on, uh, the <laughs> Seattle Seahawks take on your Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. <laughs> Uh, Seahawks are 16 to 5. The Cowboys are 1 to 4. Nine point spread. 46.5 is the over under. After talking a lot, John, about the, you know, Dallas's woes on Thanksgiving, they blew them away um, yep, by did. easily covering the spread. However, they are not going to silence the doubters of Dallas by beating Washington. And they're probably not going to silence the doubters by beating the Seahawks. Yeah. I, I, they I should do. I'm not sure if we have, like, you know, we, we've spoken about the Dallas Cowboys a few times in the show in the last few weeks. Of course we and do. America's team. Our team. Yeah, exactly. Our Lisa. team. Yeah, the Pods I think, team. I think, um, yeah, look. They <laughs> Dolly Parton's they... team. Dolly's team. She looked great for her age. <laughs> like, as we sit here, what is it? The morning of November 29th, about to enter week 13 of the NFL season, the Dallas Cowboys are 8-3, and three, which is pretty good, right? You know, you'd say that. But the two, like, two of those defeats have been against the two good teams they've come up against so far. The rest, I did a little, I crunched some of the numbers yesterday. The combined record of the teams they've beaten this season is 28 and 63. They've only beaten one team, I believe, with a winning record. And their next five games come up against this weekend against the Seattle Seahawks. And then they have the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions. It's not, it's going to get more difficult for this team. Uh, like, I mean, I think they're a pretty safe bet to make the playoffs. But in terms of, I just think there might be a little bit of um, over sort of inflated expectations about what this team is capable of delivering. They're a good team, but are they better? Are they a nine point better team, even at home against the Seattle Seahawks? Who? have a winning record. They're six and five, but that's still a winning record. So this should on paper be one of the tougher games that Dallas have played this season. I think they'll win, but will they do it by nine points? I think is the question. And I'm at the moment I'm saying no. Okay. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of agree with that. uh, For sure. Um, Interesting thing is if Seattle do lose, that would mean that there were, there are only five teams in the NFC, four teams, sorry, in the NFC with winning records. 
when you when you look at that is when you when you look at the yeah when you look at the playoff thing right now you know minnesota's six and six uh seattle's six and five and atlanta's five and six those teams are all in the playoffs right now but i I agree that dallas is five and oh at home um seattle does have a winning record but they're not that good um and i think that gino gino is is kind of reverting back to the mean uh, and maybe the injury has part something to do with that, but you know it's going to be dangerous for him throwing into that into that secondary and uh, the rush there. So uh, I I agree with John. I, I don't I, I would take Dallas straight up in this game. Um, nine points. You might Seattle might be able to keep it that close. Oh yeah, I think so. Are we like if Dallas continue to win games uh, in the way that they are, shall we say, they're, they're highly likely then to obviously have home field advantage for at least the start of the playoffs and they are do well at home. Could some confidence come in here or, or do we think, you know, later down the line at some well, point they are going to just run into a team that is better than them? Uh, Prescott, by the way, is now currently the number one quarterback yeah. in the NFL, correct? I believe. But that's, yeah, but we have to take these things in context, you know. That's, yeah. that's no, the... we don't. That's, we don't do anything like that. <laughs> Interesting thing is, if, if the playoffs were to start right now, Dallas would be at home to Seattle. Oh, is that so? I didn't realize that. That's yeah, interesting. The five and six seeds right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, do with Here that what you will. We're seeing, we're seeing the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and do we, because what we've been doing is we've kind of been tipping Dallas to really hammer teams if they are poor. So, with that 46.5, if you guys are saying Seattle can keep it pretty tight, it sounds like it's an under game on Thursday night football, which for all the listeners out there basically has been this case for everything Thursday night football. I believe it, it, it's. Um, it was over. Happened. Well, actually, all three of them were over last week. We don't count the Thanksgiving games, Mike. That's a <laughs> okay. completely separate thing. <laughs> yeah, Seattle went over with San Francisco, but that was mostly San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. It was 31-13 was, was San Francisco over Seattle, in Seattle. So do you think okay. the Cowboys can do 30 and Seattle can do 14, say? What is it, 46-5? It's got to be more than that. Then. It's 46-5, yeah. Yeah. So Under talking- over? You're talking about 30, 32, 14, 28, 17. 28, 17 sounds about right to me, and, and yeah, that's 45. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking under probably. Under, this. under. Um, the 6 o'clock game, John, I'm going to come to you about Broncos, Broncos Houston. I want to just grab Mike really quickly because the LA Chargers take on the New England Patriots, his team, of course. <laughs> oh. Two to five about the Chargers. The Patriots are two to one, six points in spread, 39.5 is the over under. Um, you want to hear a good stat about Justin Herbert? Right. Since the Chargers drafted Justin Herbert in 2020, they are 30 and 30, 30 wins, 30 losses. In those 60 games, the Chargers have scored a grand total of 1,508 points and have given up 1,507 points. <laughs> That's a winning formula if you're Brandon yeah, Stace Taylor. Uh, again, the Chargers, again, like, well, we can talk about the Patriots. Mike, obviously, what happened at the end of the Patriots game, you need to speak upon. The Chargers, again, did, had a very Chargers game uh, mm-hmm. and their head coach is obviously gone. Uh, and again, you just kind of, you look at Justin Herbert and you are, uh, and you just think he must wonder what what the hell he's got himself into, and will he ever like? He's looking at Stafford's career and saying, well, he did win a Super Bowl eventually, but he had to go through a lot of crap to get there. Maybe that's what he's looking at. Yeah, and yeah, I I don't know. Um, 
every year the Chargers do the same thing. So um, you, know, you kind of get tired of of yeah. Of, we said um, at the start, we said that, that they're everyone's dark horse, but they're not. Like they're 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 just not. They're unlikely to make the playoffs now. I mean, you never know with the way things are going this year. But yeah, and last week I I looked at you know I, I had a very good week straight up. I was thirteen and three. And, you know, obviously Green Bay surprised me in Detroit and um, Chicago surprised me at the end of the week in Minnesota. But the game that I just couldn't, I looked at, at the char, at the New England Giants game and I said, OK, Bill Belichick has off the bye. He's had two weeks to prepare to face Tommy DeVito. <laughs> what could go wrong? That's exactly <laughs> what I thought, too, by the way, not to interrupt. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly what I thought, too. What else could you take away from? So I took so I took um, New England in that one, um, and the thirty three five over under seemed to me to be a bit low. So I took over on that one just <laughs> to kill you. So ten seven, you know, New England are the first team in NFL history, or I, I guess in the recent NFL because they used to do it a lot in the twenties and thirties, but um, the first since nineteen ninety three, um, which was also the Patriots. To hold an opponent to ten points or less two weeks in a row and lose both games, <laughs> <laughs> which which is bizarre. Now I, I don't know. They they always seem to have the Chargers number, um, you know, because I guess Bill can figure out what they're going to do, but they just can't execute. Um, and they're um, underdogs at home. Yeah. And they're uh, what I had that figure down. They're one in five this year against the spread when they're underdogs. So, you know, so I would I would um, probably take the Chargers in this uh, to win by a touchdown without any great faith in that. And the 39-5, I'd still go under. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be looking at it under Yeah, because the Chargers, they don't, like, Austin Eckler is, uh, like, he's not really doing exactly what he did last season. He's having one of those kind of follow-up years that sometimes happen. Um, yeah, take away Keenan Allen, make them, make them throw a lot of... Um, screens to Eckler, you know, make, make the run outside. There, there isn't much there, you know. Quinton Johnson eventually will be another Mike Williams, I think. But, you know, and the Patriots don't have a defensive back, you know, who's kind of like good enough to cover a big guy one-on-one, which yeah. they'll, they'll have to do if they double, if they, um, if they double Keenan. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I still, I, I think I'm <laughs> looking at Bill's grave getting just a little bit deeper each week. Yeah, I, like I was just going to say, it, it it sort of has the feel of like a loser leaves town match a little bit, but I, I mean, I don't think. <laughs> well, I don't think leaving town. Think, yeah, I don't think Bill's leaving town. Maybe they'll do a hair versus hair or something instead. But yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, it's, I don't. I, I don't think. Uh, look, I we, we we spoke just before we went on the air. I think we we were talking about. It, it seems I think we kind of agreed that Staley might be next up on the on the managerial hot seat in the in the NFL potentially. But yeah, I think whatever yeah. happens. Yeah, I think Bill Belichick can lose every single game between now and the end of the season and still be in the job. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not Bill who's in the hot seat. It's Bob Kraft who's in the hot seat when it comes to Bill. It's because that's going to be a tough, you know, difficult decision to make one way or the other. I suspect Brandon Staley is going to come out to to, um, coach in in a Mexican wrestler's match. Uh, Sorry, (laughs) mask. And everybody's going to say, who's that guy coaching the Chargers? And then when they win, he's going to pull it off and go, oh my God, it's Brandon Staley. Yeah. Just before Kieran moves on, I can see he wants to move on. But I will say, I think that there is a decent chance that Bill Belichick is the coach of the Chargers next season. I'm just going to leave it there, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Well, maybe he'll get <laughs> an early look. L.A. Bill. 
you, John, would have watched the Denver Broncos beat uh, your Cleveland Browns uh, and be one of the form yeah. teams now in the NFL who would have thunk that. Uh, they are 6-4 to four to beat the Houston Texans. Is 8-15 about the Houston Texans. 3.5 is spread. 47.5 is the over-under. That's going to have a point. Um, yeah, you know, we, we said we talked about this game and I was looking at it. For the life of me, I can't figure this game out. So someone may help me. John, what's going to happen? <laughs> I think... Um... Well, long story short, I think the Texans will win the game. I think they're, Ooh. I think they're a better team than the Denver Broncos. Um, look, I, I think I said that might have said this last week. I mean, the uh, we collectively, or at least, I mean, I'll say I won't speak for you guys, but I think we do owe the the Broncos a little bit of an apology in terms of how Sean Payton has has turned the team around, and even Russell Wilson. I mean, we spent pretty much all of last year and the first half of this season kind of talking about how terrible of a trade that was for. You know, for a, you know an aging quarterback in the twilight of his career to give up so much, and you kind of expect you know an immediate performance. He's not setting the world on fire for sure in Denver, but he's looking every part the capable quarterback that can just you know helm a team and bring them to victories. So, in terms of that trade, it's looking a lot better now than it did whenever it was eighteen months ago or so. Now, Denver Broncos have been kind of a team that have been blown hot and cold in the sense that they were. Terrible for the first half of the season. I know they've put together, I think it is, what is it, five straight wins? And they're yes. not they're not looking like the team that shipped 70 points to Miami, which was that was two months ago, by the way. That was just just eight weeks ago they, they gave up the in that crazy, crazy game to Miami. So the transition has been kind of night and day, but at the same time, some of it might be a little bit, you know, overdeveloped in the sense that even in the last three games, all of which they've won, they're still just 22nd in the NFL in net yards per play. So there is some gaps there to be taken advantage of. And look, I mean, I just like this Houston Texans team. I really, really like CJ Stroud as a player. I've said that for a few weeks now. I jinxed him in, in, our, in our WhatsApp group just before he threw two, three, three picks almost in three <laughs> successive plays. But I don't think that takes away from how good of a player he, he passes. I think we'd all agree he very much passes the eye test for a rookie. I think he's got rookie of the year sewn up. Yeah. No, no matter what happens for the rest of the season. So I think the Texans at home are a team that they're, they're definitely pushing for the playoffs. And uh, I like them with the handicap on this one. I think there's a, there's a, I think they're going to win this one. And I think they'll probably win it by more than, more than three and a half. I think it's still three and a half. You're saying Kieran there, isn't it? For the spread. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm going, I'm all in on tech, on, on tech, uh, the Texans in this one. Yeah. The Texans give up apparently 252 yards per game passing which is the which is the worrying the worrying thing here uh, because that, that's kind of like the core of everything I agree with what you you know Sean Payton has just gone about his business you know kind of quietly but but putting a different culture in the team and and, and you know they're they're actually pretty solid on both sides of the ball Denver um, and Houston, on the other hand, it's not smoke. I'm not saying it's smoke and mirrors because it's not. They're they're playing really well. They're disciplined, but they don't have the talent level um, that that Denver have. Um, so I'm, like I'm across the board. You mean and, and across, across the board? Yeah. I mean, who's their number one receivers? Nick Nico Collins and you know Tank Tank Dell is coming along really well. Tank Dell's got seven touchdowns now in the season. I mean, yeah, you know, but that one out your arse, didn't you, John Balf? But they're, but they're, you know, D'Amico Ryan, I think, is is probably the front runner for coach of the year. Yeah, if they can keep keep this up, I said earlier this week, I thought Sean McVay really deserves a lot of credit for what he's doing with the the Rams, with you know, with a 
kind of like three or four real stars. And then the rest of the guys are, are like Houston's roster. You know, it's like, where'd they, where'd they find these guys? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I kind of agree, agree with John, although I, I think I, I think I might even take Denver on the road with the points here. Um, and I think the over-under is vulnerable. The over is vulnerable here at 47, even though it's 47.5 or so. Yeah. It might be the highest of the week. It is the highest of the week. Um, well, no, sorry, Miami's, Miami's is the highest. They've been involved in a couple of high-scoring ones, Texans. 39-37 against the Bucks, 27-30 against the Bengals, uh, 24-21 against the Jags, which probably would have been those are, and those yeah, those are all those are all good defensive teams. Not great, yeah. but but good. I mean, that, you know, that's um and what was last what was last week? Um 24-21. So 24-21, they lost yeah, to the Jags. The, and and that, obviously that, that was 47-5. Yeah, that game was 47-5. And that had one of those doinky things happen again that yeah. sometimes yeah. happens in the NFL um, so yeah crazy endings okay that's a good one I, yeah I couldn't make head or tail of that you guys have helped me out there will I follow you in I don't know um, do I trust you with my money probably but do I trust you that much <laughs> with my money oh. I don't know how big a fool are you I don't know um, game of the weekend uh, dare I say it is 49ers at Eagles 13 to 20 about the San Francisco 49ers Philadelphia Eagles at 5-4 2.5 is the spread as you would imagine very very low 2.5 uh, 46.5 is the over under so I but, mentioned earlier on that these two teams Mike and you're you're obviously ready to go 7-4 to four joint favourites for the NFC so yeah. this could have a huge bearing on that yeah, well, think about it. Joint favorites, it's gone down. It was three yesterday, so it's gone down to 2.5. But the Niners are the favorites. Now, if these guys are joint, if the bookies are making them joint favorites, and obviously they're looking at the schedule too, you know, going on uh, going on the rest the rest of the season. And schedules are important. You need to look at schedules, especially at this time. But everybody's saying, oh, you know, the, the Eagles were so good last year and they're they're having more problems this year, they, but they just seem to manage to win games at the end. But the Eagles have a much tougher schedule this year because they were Super Bowl um, yeah. team than they did the year before. But I, I cannot see San Francisco being the favorite in this game. I don't know how you how you do that. Uh, how, how you, you know, how, no matter how good. And I love that. I think the Niners are really good. And, you know, they may be the best team in in the um in the NFC apart from the fact that they don't have as much debt you know they're more reliant on a few players uh that they can't replace than the than the Eagles are but still i mean to me the Eagles should be the should be the favorites and the Niners should be getting two and a half or three um that, Ooh, I love that. so i mean if you're looking at that then you would say well take the Eagles as dogs um yeah, and that 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 to me, that to me, I think is is probably what I would do. Oh yeah, well, I'd take them on the money line, five to four, baby. I'll yeah. tip it up. Jump <laughs> off. What are you seeing? What are you thinking? I think the I think the Forty ers are a better team than the Eagles. Um... Oh, I love this. Disagree. <laughs> well, I, no, but, I said that too. I, the difference between the teams is depth. Yeah, um, pretend. But I, I suppose I would say that even on the road, I think that I'd be leaning towards the Forty ers getting the win here. So the handicap. I mean, take that into account in the handicap. Look, I'm not going to be betting on this one. I think this is a tight game that can go either way. So I, this certainly won't be my best bet, and I, it certainly won't be one that I'm, you know, super, super confident in. But I think, you know, the 10-1 Eagles, they've just developed a habit of winning, which is a very, very difficult thing to do in the NFL and in sports in general, obviously. Um, so just like, I mean, obviously a razor-thin win uh, in overtime last weekend against Buffalo. 
But like I said, I think San Francisco have a decent case to be considered the best team in the league at the moment. And the thing is, you know, I'm kind of a metrics guy. I like to look into some of the stats. They're uh, consistently outperforming Philadelphia in like pretty much every metric that kind of makes a difference in a, in a football game. Uh, now, the Eagles' knack of winning shouldn't be overlooked. I mean, I really think that is, and I certainly wouldn't be shocked if they come out of this win with a, with a, or out of this game with a W. But at the same time, I think everything on paper here is pointing towards San Francisco getting the win on the road and kind of establishing themselves as the best team in the NFC. And then as they head towards the uh, the, the playoffs, I think it's, yeah, this is the 49ers for me. But again, it's not my best bet. Ooh, I smell a, I smell a hair versus hair weekend. <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting uh, too because you know the the line matchup, the line matchups are the big are the big ones. You know, uh, San Francisco is very very good up front. The Eagles are very very good up front uh, both on defense. I think the Eagles line is a bit better than San Francisco's, although Lane Johnson may still be out, um, and um, Trent Williams obviously is back, but. I think in the end, hurts at home is tough. I mean, that's that's to me that that's the the, the thing that pushes me toward the Eagles in this one. Um, you know, the, he makes plays when when they need to be made, and and um, and if it is a close game and it comes down to three points, Elliot hit the fifty nine yard field goal in the rain <laughs> last last nice week, stuff. which which was. You know, one of the best kicks I think of the season. Obviously, you know, obviously, but it it would it was a sixty plus yarder. You know, he made he cleared it with with yards to spare. So, yeah, my, I like the Eagles getting the points here. Okay, All might right. even take the Eagles straight up. Boom, love it. Let's see who's right come this day. Oh, the over under is interesting. Forty six five is right about where I would have put it. Um, you know, and given the fact that they both have great defenses, I. You know, I you you look at the way they played. You say, okay, this one's all. You know, they're both thirty point teams. Yeah, um, th- this one's over. But when you look at their defenses, it starts to it starts to bring that number down. Forty six five is really tough to decide on. Ooh, I think I'd go over based on what we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. But we leave it there, yeah. John. Before I go to KC Green Bay, I'll give you forty eight seconds on Cleveland Browns at <laughs> LA Rams. Six to four about the Browns. Eight to fifteen Rams. 3.5 spread, 39.5 over under. So uh, Brown's going over is, is hasn't really well, it's changed a little bit, but it's still below 40. Uh, yeah. 48 seconds start now. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not feeling super confident about the, the Browns at the minute. That it looks quite likely they'll be going into this game starting their fifth quarterback of the year with uh, Joe Flacco coming in to, uh, to help things there, which is, oh, I, mean, oh. I, I think that that will kind of tell its own story. Flacco, like, Flacco. The, it, the Browns are, you know, I think most of their games are just going to be the same this year. It's whether or not the defense can get get the win for them and if the offense can maybe sneak towards 14 points or 17 points or maybe even make it to 20 points. If, this, if the Browns kind of score 20-plus points, they will most likely win the majority of the games that they play this season, which makes it seem, you know, I'm just wish Nick Chubb was still there. That would have been really, really fun for everybody involved. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and this one, you know, I mean, I was wrong last week, but I knee-jerk towards Browns unders. And I don't think, you know, the Rams aren't necessarily a team that's going to put a great deal of points on the board, potentially. Um, you know, I mean, they've got a losing record this year. They're not fantastic. So I think, yeah, I mean, I'll be looking the the under in this one, and okay. but I mean I'll be hoping. Ding ding ding. A little bit is Garrett exciting. is Garrett playing? Ding ding ding. I'm not. I haven't seen the injury report. He couldn't lift his his arm above his shoulder, which isn't a great sign. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we'll and see. Flacco's definitely the starter. 
Not necessarily. I think uh, Thompson Robinson might he'll be getting his injury checkup, and PJ Walker is still there, but he hasn't impressed the times he's been in. And I mean, they brought Flacco in for a reason. And perhaps, perhaps it is just to be to the elder boys in the in the in the quarterback room. But you know, you'd have to. Yeah. See well, here's here's the game plan: run, run, Joe, throw thirty yards downfield and look for a defensive pass interference penalty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, at uh, 20 past one, the Kansas City Chiefs favorites for the Super Bowl or joint favorites or co-favorites. Yes, it's a thing. Uh, take on the Green Bay Packers. It's four to 11 about KC. The Packers are 11 to five, 6.5 spread. 42.5 is the over under the past. John Baff, the past always brings something to the future. And the reality <laughs> is that Beautiful Green here. Bay, <laughs> because Green Bay played like one decent game against one of their biggest rivals. They now seem to be, you know, a touchdown within the reach of Kansas City, which to me seems slightly, slightly wrong. But at the same time, I think we most of us would agree that this isn't really the the well-oiled Kansas City machine that we've been used to for the last three or four years. And but also, I mean, this is nor is it like a, a vintage Packers team. That said. Jordan Love has been looking a little bit better, in my view, certainly last week and maybe the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a, a starting NFL quarterback long term, but at the moment he's he seems to be keeping a lid on things, so that seems to be pretty good. Look, the Chiefs are, you know, we were all there, and like they're still at the at the top of the odds list. A lot of people expect them to even win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's going to be their year this year around. They're just showing too many vulnerabilities, particularly against the run, um, which would be where. Green Bay, I think, would take an advantage. Now, I'm not 100% sure about Aaron Jones' health. Last I heard, he was sort of week to week. So if he plays, I think that might be a, that, that could be a difference maker for Green Bay. But I think Kansas City get the win here. But I think, you know, I think Green Bay can keep this tighter than six. I just have a feeling about what, it could be one of those games that, you know, it might even be like a late field goal to separate a deadlock or something like that. But I think the Chiefs will win. But don't be surprised if, uh, if Green Bay show up and keep it competitive. Mike, do you not think that... Uh... Kansas sold a bit of life at the weekend that, that it was more like the old one? A little bit more. Um, and, you know, Rashi Rice made a play, um, <laughs> which, you know, indicates that he might he might be able to make make some more. They still have the problem with, with receivers downfield. They um they can they can run the ball, which will be a problem. And Green Bay, you know, for all of the uh, brilliance of their win over Detroit. You know, it, it, the margin in that game was was a couple of turnovers, one of which I thought was was pretty shaky. You know, but but the fumble six counted, and and that was the difference in the game. Offensively, they're not you know they're not a powerhouse themselves, although their young receivers seem to be coming you know coming good at, at the right time. Um, I think Kansas City by a touchdown is probably a fair a fair. Uh, you know, a fair uh, line and uh, Mahomes in prime time, I think is is probably ready to shine. I also, looking at it, think they'll go over 42-5. Um, it's funny, I'm picking a lot of overs this week, which is which is, which is strange for me. But of course, you know, the, the emotional thing of this being a rematch of the very first Super Bowl is probably very strong among the people playing. It would be, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be huge in the locker room. They'll hang that up on the wall. <laughs> Um, the last game that we're going to look at is the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Three to one about the Bengals, one to four of the Jags. Seven point five is the spread. Thirty eight point five is the over under. Jonathan, much like my beloved Tottenham Hotspur, the Cincinnati Bengals season is coming off a cliff due to injuries, and of course, the main injury being to Joseph R. Burrow. 
<laughs> poor Joseph Orborough. What's his middle name, Kieran? I made up R. I did not do <laughs> It's just a letter or oddly. I was hoping there'd be no follow-up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is um sadly for any Cincinnati Bang- Bengals fans that might be listening to this podcast. I don't think any any of the three of us are going to be forecasting, you know, anything particularly bright in their immediate future throughout between now and the rest of the season. Like a Joe Burrowless Bengals is just flat out not a good team because they haven't really had a great defense so far this year. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say, but now nor do they have sort of a magical quarterback who can sort of overcome those deficiencies and, and drag them to victories they might otherwise have lost. Now they will just lose those games. Like I think two years ago, do you remember? Like I, I like to hark back to the Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville quite a lot. Just, <laughs> just you're about the, the only person. Yeah. You're about the only person in the world. Certainly who does. in Florida, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, I think just think of this two years ago, back when Burrow was flying, and uh, you know the the Bengals were were looking fantastic. I think the uh, it's a, it's three to one on the money line for this one, Kieran, for a Bengals yep. win. That's I mean that's astonishing for a, for a, it to, to me anyway for a Bengals game on the road against a Jaguars team who were very recently by far the worst team in the NFL. Obviously things changed. They're a playoff team last year and they're looking every much bit like a playoff team this year as well. Um, I think yeah, I mean this is yeah. I think the Jaguars will win, but more so the thirty-eight five over under is the one that caught my eye on this one. Now if if the Bengals can get in there, like they still have some good receivers, they've still got some good players scattered across the offense. So if they can show up with a with a couple of touchdowns, get fourteen, get seventeen, get twenty points, all of a sudden that over under is is very very achievable. So um, that's where I'm leaning so far at the moment. But it, that requires the Bengals to play along in a game that they'll probably lose. Yeah, that went down from thirty nine five yesterday, which means money was coming in on the under. Um, so, so, so that went down. Um, Cincinnati's defense is not bad. Anna Rumo's a good coordinator. Um, he's lacking pass. He's been lacking pass rushers, but they can adjust. Holding Pittsburgh to 16 is no great achievement. But still, they lost that game 16-10. Um, I agree with you. Browning Browning was not awful as a starter, but he, you know he has his vulnerabilities, and they were obvious. Um, and that's going to be their problem um, because they can't protect, you know, and that that's always a problem. They don't have um, T. Higgins. It, it's a mess. They can't run the ball very well. Yeah. Um, and that that leads me to think that's why I think the over was where it was and why people were were um, were coming in um, yeah. un, under. Uh, I'd still probably look at this. But Jacksonville, see, Jacksonville should be able to score quite a bit, but they're not that good at home. They've been very good on the road, and they only their last home game was the only good one they've they've played. So um I I, I think you know looking at unders, looking at overs might might be good here. Um and Jacksonville more than a touchdown, I think they can actually can actually cover that as well. Um a true story. When I started at UPI in London way oh, back God. when, they had a style book, and the style book had the spellings of the, th- the three different kinds of boroughs. Um, the borough that is part of a city, uh, the borough that is an animal, and the borough that is um, a whole, is where rabbits live. Um, and they, they had borough, B-U-R-R-O, versus B-U-R-R-O-W. And they said, one, one is an ass, the other is a hole in the ground. As a journalist at UPI, you were expected to know the difference. <laughs> and without I, Joe, without Joe Burrow, what they've got is a hole in the ground. 
<laughs> do you know what? Well, two things, Mike, you got there in the end. I got, two things there. I got there in the end. <laughs> well, three things. First off, I'm not going to cut that because, you know, it's just work for me. Um, second of all, guys, <laughs> you're right, are three and three at home and five and oh away. Yeah. The third thing is, I wonder if, as Joe Burrow sits at home in what I assume is a palatial mansion, just like Mike's, is he thinking, I've dodged a little bit of bullet reputation-wise because they were already a bit ropey this season. Mm -hmm. So he can kind of write this season off now. Oh, well, I was injured. And then with Bengals might end up with a losing record. They are currently five and six, and they've got a hard enough few games. We're we're, we're predicting they'll be five and seven come day, this day next week. Yeah. Um, so he might be able to say, well, look, I was injured. You know, so the last yeah. season is right off. So everyone will be like, oh, well, look, you know, so reputation-wise, it might be the worst injury in the world. <laughs> I'll bet you he's on the sidelines. He's not going to be watching it at home. I'll bet you he goes down to Jacksonville when he's on the sidelines with the team. Uh, well, yeah. the hot air would help him, you know. He's yeah. very good for injuries, Mike. You should look that up. <laughs> um, I'll give you go about a moment to think about your best bets while I just inform everyone of the offer, of course, that is available on the NFL. And I it's available on the NBA. That's what they tell me when I go into corporate HQ, which is not that often, but I do occasionally pop in. It's bet five, uh, get five on multis um, or on bet builders. See the terms and conditions for that on the link that is in this podcast. And I believe it's available on NBA as well. And it's also uh, floating around on some football games as well. You should listen to football only better though, if you want information on that. And really, you should just listen to it anyway, because it's actually a really good show. It's much better than this piece of crap. <laughs> well, Not thank really. you for those kind words. And speaking oh. of piece of crap, let's review last week's oh, <laughs> last week's best bets, in which <laughs> Mr. Balf was under in Cleveland, Denver. Um, yes, he was. Thank taking, you, John. Taking the worst, <laughs> taking the worst of that, and that one, the under was thirty-five-five, and it, the game turned out twenty-nine-twelve. So he was wrong. He stands six and five on the season. Uh, Kieran was under forty-eight-five with Buffalo and Philadelphia. Um, unfortunately, that went to overtime and finished with um, seventy-one points. But it would have been over. It would have been over even if they hadn't gone to overtime. That so. last three doesn't count. <laughs> and um, that leaves Kieran at five. Five, sorry, John is six and six on the season. Kieran is five, six and one on the season. That's that push, baby. That's what's going to win push me. Push helps. And um, mine was uh, the New Orleans Atlanta game going under 42 5. Every time I looked at that game, somebody was in the red zone. And then I'd go, oh no. And then they'd fumble the ball away or throw an interception. And it wound up, um, I wound up just making it. It was it was a 39-point game, uh, which is under 42-5. So I'm 8-4 on, on four the season. 8-4. Oh, I don't yeah. like this at all. Yeah, that's, there's a, there's a hill to climb here, now. There's a hill to climb. Um, <laughs> right. Well, then, since you did win, you can go first. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to my man, Bill. And take the under at 39.5. That's just like um, free money. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Chargers can always surprise you, but you know, yeah. Chargers, New England, uh 39.5 under. Okay, Johnny B. You know what? I was kind of undecided. I thought I'd just freestyle this one. I, when I was doing my notes yesterday, there's nothing that stood out to me, but I've just sort of convinced myself with what I said a little bit about the uh the Denver Broncos, Houston Texans game. I think uh, Texans are going to end the Broncos' winning streak, uh, and I think I'll take them. It's still, it was three and a half, wasn't it, Kieran? Yeah. Unless it changed. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be taking Houston there. And I will go with um, everybody's favorite bird, the Atlanta Falcons, minus three at the New York Jets. 
a reminder that the Falcons currently sit top of uh, the NFC South uh, on five and six. <laughs> By default. So <laughs> technically they are a form team. Yeah, you know, it's, it, 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 they are. <laughs> and it, it, interest, it's, interestingly, um, we talked about the NFC. In the AFC, you've got two teams with winning records and Buffalo at six and six. We're all out of the playoff picture at the moment. So, so you've you've basically got nine teams with winning records and and a bye week at six and six, um, where you know where you only have four. After this week, you may only have four teams with winning records in the whole NFC. It's a really weird uh, imbalance there. It's a crazy season, Mike. But I do think the Falcons will get done against the Jets, um, which will also hurt Aaron Rodgers because he's he's now saying that uh, his health and how the health of the Jets team is, um will decide on when his comeback is so if they're out of playoff contention he ain't taking a step on that you would you would have thought he he, apparently he rang jalen phillips or or tried to get in touch with jalen phillips in miami who injured his achilles at at, um the jimmy hoffa memorial meadowlands stadium um and you know just to offer him tips on recovery and you know which which universe to visit um if he wanted the achilles to to heal, uh, to heal faster than it would on this plane of existence. Universe, interesting, yes. wonderful. <laughs> well, the universe is always right, Mike. Remember that this week. Um, <laughs> and that is it for this week's show. I uh, hope you enjoyed the listen. As always, my thanks to John Baff. My thanks to Mike Carlson. Once again, don't forget about the bet five, get five on the NFL this Sunday. I believe it's the penultimate week of fantasy as well. So uh, everyone enjoy that. Christ. Hopefully, you're still in playoff contention like I am, and not out of the playoff contention. Like John Bath. Uh, once again, thanks for listening. Wow. Please wow. do gamble responsibly. We love you all. Bye for now.